welcome back to the Full English Podcast from Pearson Edexcel with me, Pam McLaughlin. Firstly, I wanted to say a big thank you for the positive feedback I've had from episode one with Kat and thanks for subscribing. I really appreciate it. And if you want to get in touch with ideas for future guests or anything else English teaching related, you can email me at thefullenglish at pearson.com. In today's episode, my guest is James Adu. Now, James is a multi-award winning youth practitioner. He's founder of the coaching company Innerscope. His work is rapidly becoming recognised for tackling some of the most complex issues related to academic aspirations for students and team culture for staff teams. Today we talk about peer coaching and its impact on disengagement, how to increase resilience, reframing and the concept of what's your why. So relax and be inspired. Now, James and I first met last year when he was a speaker at a Pearson Literacy Roundtable event. And I was so impressed by James' speech that, it, well, it was really thought provoking and inspiring. So I asked James to come on as a guest for the podcast. And here we are a few months later than planned due to COVID-19, obviously, but it's definitely going to be worth the wait. So, James, firstly, I'm going to ask you to share a memory from your own school days. It can be anything you like just something you'd like to share with the listeners. Excellent. Um, I think when I think of like a really striking memory for me, it was when I was in year 10 and around this time I was going to secondary school in Islington. I had a group of friends and we were all into music. So our head of year was an absolute legend. He used to let us do music during the break time in our form room. And I remember um, after some time, um, our, a little music session, he walks up to a whiteboard and says, Mr. Adu, um, you've got something. And then he writes on the whiteboard, um, C-H-A-R-I-S-M-A. And he goes, you've got charisma. Hope I've got that right. <laughs> and, he, and, he goes to, and he goes to me, um, do you know what that is? No, actually he says, you've got charisma. And I, and I said, thanks, sir. He goes, do you know what that is? I said, no, sir. And he, go, and he goes, I want you to go and find it out. And then I did a little bit of Googling and I was quite chuffed. Um, I was chuffed by by what he had to say. And um, when I look back, actually for me, that's a, a striking um, example of what it means to be a true pedagogue. Um, someone that literally sees something in students that they don't see. And um, I had the privilege of working with him now, actually he's a head teacher in, in Halston. And for me, that's, all, that's always been one of my, my most um, meaningful memories as a secondary school student. Yeah. Wow, I really like that story. I mean, I think it's the fact that he told you that and at first yeah. did you think oh were you thinking it might be negative or whatever and it wasn't until you looked sure. it up what it meant yeah no so the con what was going on is actually I, I had an idea or something positive because like he, he would oftentimes <laughs> he would watch us MC, and you know when you've got someone watching from the distance and he kind of looked almost like a proud uncle sort uh -huh. of thing so um so yeah I had a feeling it was it was it was something positive but I just literally didn't know what it meant at the time um, but yeah, uh, yeah, he, he was definitely an exceptional head of year at that time and, and head teacher now, I'm sure. Yeah. That's really good. And the fact, did you say that was year nine, did you say? I was in year 10, yeah, year 10. Sorry, year 10. And the yeah. fact that stayed with you all this time just shows you how, how, how the impact a teacher can have yeah. on a student, isn't it? Whether it be negative, in your case, that's really positive, but it just shows you how important those little you know, those little um, snippets or those little snapshots that happen in schools. Every, I mean, obviously, I'm an ex-teacher myself. Every day things happen and how the importance they can and the impact they can have on you, can't they? I think that's a great point you mentioned. I think 
for me, literally that particular interaction, those little conversations in the, in the school halls or just the by the by conversations, you'll be surprised you know, how powerful they can be. And that's a big part of, of the work that we do really actually equipping staff members to have those sorts of conversations that, that can be seemingly um, you know, insignificant, but actually quite profound. Yeah, I think that's the thing. People underestimate the importance of language, don't they? <laughs> well, I don't know if people underestimate it, but I think sometimes, you know, you can. And you can underestimate the power of tweaking the way you say things, etc., can make a massive difference, especially when you're dealing in, you know, schools with students, etc. Um, talking about, you know, your your well, that memory you shared with us. Could you just talk to me a bit about the background, your own background, James, yeah. and explain your own journey to where you are at this point, if that's yes, okay? More than happy to. So I think the initial place where I've got an idea or, or experience, I should say, of, of, of working with young people is that I had the opportunity at the age of about 16 to, to be a, a youth work volunteer. So I was volunteering at my local youth club in the evenings, but it meant that during the day I was actually helping out as a teaching assistant in an alternative education and provision that was in the same centre. And um, I really, really enjoyed um, getting alongside students in that way. Um, so, so that kind of gave me a bit of a taste for, for the sort of work in terms of working with young people. I, I then went on to um, get a, a, an entry level qualification in youth work that the Islington Council used to run. Um, and see, I grew up um, on Andover Estate in Islington. It's a place that I love dearly to this, to this day. And, it, and there was a great opportunity for me to actually serve as um, a local youth worker and a de detached youth worker on the estate where I grew up. And I was actually there for a long time after, actually. So I <laughs> eventually met my wife because I then went Aww. on to... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I went on to... Um, yeah, so I went on to, to get a degree, actually. So I got fully, fully qualified in, in youth and community work. And a lot of the work that I delivered at that time was as a youth worker or youth minister actually um, in, in Islington. So while that was going on during my initial um, degree, um, it was in year two when we did a module in on counselling, coaching and um, mentoring. And while that was taking place, I loved the idea of coaching. And while I was doing my studies in that area, I was like, this is, this is amazing. And during that time as well, um, I also came across, I was also getting trained in, in like conflict resolution. Um, and then I came across a really interesting book called um, Emotional Intelligence by an author called Daniel Goleman. And it kind of like, it was almost like, <laughs> it's almost like when, when you're watching The Wizard of Oz and you think it's a black and white movie and it turns into colour. It was like that sort of moment. Where, like an epiphany. Yeah. Moment, yeah light it, goes off. It yeah. was quite a significant moment because it put a lot of things into in perspective for me in terms of like the young people I work with in alternative ed that walk through the doors with better maths than me but just have their ability to navigate relationships struggled and even peers of mine that struggled relationally but academically did quite well and I, I recognize that actually this is this is that emotional intelligence stuff so um I, during my degree I was like you know what I want to start up a program that, that works with students in this area so that you know it helps them navigate relationships navigate and their, their academia so that actually they get what they're capable of in, in, in terms of outcomes. And so, yeah, I, I started off running Interscope while I was a youth worker. And one day a week, I would go into, so I worked with two local pupil referral units and then the, the work just started to, to blossom. How many years ago was that when you first sort of started Interscope uh, then? And... It'll be seven years now, seven really? years. Really? Oh, yeah, right, seven, okay. Seven years ago. And um, I, I delivered my first programme 
in a pupil referral unit in, in, in Islington and an alternative ed um, in more central Islington. And then and then now we, we work with, you know, schools nationwide and working with um get to work with people like you. <laughs> yeah, and, that's it. Here we are. Yeah, so we're working with students and staff now, um, which is which is amazing. Yeah. That's really interesting. And without going too far down this route, but I just wondered, you know, you said how you used to be a youth worker in Islington at a, did you say a youth centre it was? Yes. Or? So, yeah, yeah. I just wonder, is that still open today and is that still running? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. So it actually is, funnily That's enough. Good. I'm, I'm, I feel like there's not enough of those. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. But yeah, it is. It's not in the same way. I think they've got actually, they've got more of a, a nicer building now. Um in right. the area well, that's but they've had money for it and exactly funds yeah exactly still Glad going to hear it yeah that's good yeah. one of the phrases um i've read online on your website is shifting students from disengagement to determination which i think sounds really really great because mm. you know there are issues with students who are disengaged etc yeah. but i can't imagine how you go from being disengaged yeah. to determined so what yeah. exactly how does that look in yes. terms of in your sort of world, work world. Yeah, yeah. so one thing I, I love about the work that we do is um, one of the models that we use is, is our coaching model, which essentially means there'll be myself or someone on my team to just two students. So there's no audience, it's just two students. And what you find is that it fosters an environment where young people are find themselves being a lot more honest, a lot more real, and a lot more open actually to, to accountability and to challenge because there is, again, there's not an audience for them to play up to. So it's in that context that we're able to have coaching conversations with young people, where we're able to go a little bit underneath um, why they're presenting in a way that's actually getting in their own way. Um, So when we talk about um, shifting students from disengagement to determination, essentially what we're talking about is is, um, the journey that young people go on, where initially we're, we're kind of working with them to identify um, yeah, just where they are at. A lot of the work that we do as this emotional intelligence related, there's a lot of work on, on um, self-awareness. Um, but again, a fundamental to that is creating a safe space where they're able to have these conversations. So that initial disengagement, I think, you know, being trained, one of the uh, concepts that we use a lot is that, yeah, young people have shields. In fact, we all do in different ways. We've got shields, there's facades, there's masks that we sometimes put on in order to navigate the world. And actually, for some students in school, that looks like disengagement. But what we find is that through working with them in, in the way that we work with them, for, su- for some of them, um, they're able to kind of take that step of actually putting the mask down and have and engage in some of those conversations that help them move from, again, disengagement to determination. So another thing that I found really interesting um, that... I know we've talked about before was the concept of what's your why yeah now yeah. how would you do you want to just explain or describe what that yeah. is in terms of how it presents itself in schools you know when you're working with young people yeah so what's been really so so the whole what's your why conversation is inspired by um simon sinek's great work start with the why you know and and what's really cool is to as we work with students and and with staff teams you know, many of them are acquainted with this concept, but we're quite intentional about coaching students around that. And that's actually one of the pivotal coaching conversations that we use to help shift students from um, disengagement to determination. Um, you'll be surprised what young people come out with um, when, when, again, there's a safe space 
and they're able to engage in that particular conversation. So for instance, you know, there's some that are like etched in my mind today. I remember a year seven student um, in Hackney and his why was he wants to give his family the future that he never had growing up. Um, we, mm. we get a variety. There's um, uh, many students that might, uh, a common one actually is that they want to make their parents proud. That's a common one. And you get funny ones like um, there was a student and that we worked with in Reading and he was like, my big brother got into Cambridge. I just want to do better than him. <laughs> so, yeah, um, those great stories, aren't they? And it's great yeah. that they open up to you and tell you about these yeah. sort of dreams they have that exactly. they want to turn into reality. Exactly. But what we're quite intentional about, again, is that um, and you mentioned it earlier be before, is that actually we appreciate that for teachers, there's, there's you know, there's 30 students approximately per class. Yeah. The teachers are busy. But what we're passionate about is actually finding ways to embed some of these key conversations into the ethos of the school so that when we leave, our impact doesn't leave with us. But it's yeah. about sustainability. It's about the students, really. So if we um, so our content and our and our concepts are designed in a way that actually you don't need a James Adu to always be the guy having the conversation. And we're quite passionate about that. You know, for people who are listening to this, for teachers mm. who are listening, mm. if they wanted to try and, mm. is there any sort of strategy or anything you yeah. could sort of give them at the moment that they could yeah. even, yeah. you know, use practice? I mean, at the moment it's remotely, so yeah. that's a different story. That's but point, when they go back point. in September, yes, have you got any sort of thing that you could... Yeah. Any sort of little pearls of wisdom that you would pearls like to... Pearls of wisdom. Yeah. Do you know what? I think, I think a valuable pearl of wisdom that, that actually when we were at the, the Pearson's Roundtable event, I, I spoke about it briefly then, but actually this is from a different piece of research, but it's the same sort of, a similar sort of theme. And it's this whole idea of what they call um, the personal, the cultural and the structural. And this whole idea that actually if we're trying to inspire students, yeah, that's great. It's got its place. But we've got to appreciate that there's a personal um, dynamic, there's a cultural dynamic and there's a structural one. So what does that practically mean? What that practically means is that what we've learned is that, you know, James can come in and someone from his team can come in and have amazing conversations with a young person. But we have to appreciate that there's a cultural context that they navigate life within, meaning that if they're in a peer group where, you know, if you're talking, you know, your 14s, 15s, 16s and upwards where, the opinions, the perspective of their peers kind of trump that of like parents sometimes and teachers sometimes. Yeah, so, I, I've seen that. Yeah, I know exactly, exactly what you mean. Exactly. So you've got to have a, a what we like to call, and this has come out of research from MIT, we call it like an influence strategy, whereby you're preempting the impact that peers could potentially have and you're preempting the structure that they're in. So, and this is why language really helps. So if I was to be um, really practical, be like, how can we use language and, and frameworks that a young person can personally identify and use but their peers can also use and it's also used structurally I think that could probably be one of the most valuable things I could say the reason why is because I'm pretty sure many teachers listening to this have had that inspiring conversation with the young person and they go away like yeah I'm gonna revise for like every day now sir <laughs> yeah you know and then next period you know they they've got into a fight you know and and again, so what that indicates is that actually there's more of a concentric circle of influence at play. And as a teacher, if you have that in mind, like with, with what I'm trying to equip these students with, what, what does it look like for me to speak to them directly, but how can they use it with their friends? And then how do we, you know, recognize and celebrate this as a school? So very, very, like how we do this as Innerscope, one of the frameworks that we use, we call the Innerscope Four Ps, and it's a self-reflection um, framework where students self-identify if they're 
um, presenting as what we call protesters, passengers, participants or pioneers. Right, that sounds and, good. Yeah, makes sense. And so that's for them to kind of, you know, identify, you know, what? how have I been applying myself? Am I putting my best foot forward? Do you know what? So you might in a coaching session, you might get a student say, you know, what? so if I was to be honest for the last week, I've been a bit of a passenger. I've been coasting. And then you might get another student say, actually, I feel like I've been on it. I think I've, I know what my why is. I've been actioning on it. So do you know what? I think I've been presenting as a pioneer. So that conversation taking place, that's the P, that's the personal, that's the student, teacher to student, that's fine. But when we start getting students to have conversations with one another about how they've applied themselves, now we're having a cultural conversation. So if, if a student is speaking is that to like peer coaching peer coaching yeah that's yeah, the aspect that of sounds we do. really good yeah yeah so we get students literally so um, we get students coaching one another using the language and so it's so um so you might get students say you know what like it's been powerful actually there's been times when one student stopped at another and say so if i was to be honest he's been a pioneer or she's been a pioneer this week you know and and so now when they're using the conversation they're using the coaching tools amongst themselves then it's, it, research suggests that there's there's more of an impact of it having an impact. So there's more of a, a likelihood of that. And then finally, structurally, so then what are the ways in which schools champion some of these things? And then that's assemblies and, you know, it might be a simple thing, like at the beginning of a, uh, a lesson, a teacher starting off saying class, I'm looking, I'm not, I'm looking for a class full of participants and pioneers today. That's, that's, that's the expectation mm. today, you know, and then it kind of, again, it's in the language, the students get it personally, they get it as, as, as culturally, but structurally, the teachers are championing it as well. And then we've just found that, you know, this is, yeah, this is one of the ways in which it's having an impact. And um, when we work with schools, and again, what we're passionate about is that it means that James and his team don't have to always be there to make sure that's going on. Yeah really about impacting young people and seeing them thrive then it's got to be sustainable so so yeah that would be that would be my approach to crystallize it would be to think about the personal cultural structural ways that you can inspire students and equip them yeah yeah I really like that idea and I think it's really something that you know even if they haven't got you there for what you know they can still think about having those conversations and I think the peer to the peer-to-peer coaching um, mm. sounds really powerful yeah. I mean I know when um, we used to do rev- um, English revision classes after school mm. at one point and we used to have uh, peer mentoring for that and that used to work out really well because yeah. you'd have somebody who would you know sit with another student yeah. and one was somebody that found English you know easier and they were reaching the higher grades and yes. they would help somebody who was struggling a bit more and yeah they used to find it really useful so I think when it's those conversations between peers you know I think that you know I think it does really really work doesn't it it does indeed it does indeed it's, it's been great because you know, particularly when student like leading up to GCSEs we found that peer coaching works really well because ah right yeah yeah because what it is is that as you can imagine there's a lot of you know academic anxiety but when students are actually given a framework that enable them to kind of navigate their challenges together and 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 in a productive sense yeah then then we just find that that works really well we did a program like that with um, a girls school in in Enfield and and feedback about the peer coaching aspect um came came through in our evaluations yeah that's really interesting yeah I like that idea and I think that um you know it would link to that as well of course is resilience I think that's yes. a big thing in that's a big thing it is in it schools is. and I mean you talk about making resilience real yes. for key stage four students yes, yes. and I know your, your company you know mm-hmm. um has practical approaches to port to support students in their own yes. personal development yeah so I just wonder if you could just describe or explain a little bit more about yeah. that 
Yeah, so what's interesting is when we go into schools and we ask students, um, have you heard of the word resilience? They're like, yeah, we've heard of resilience. And <laughs> they hear it many, all the time, probably. They hear yeah. it all the time. And many schools, it's on the walls and all of that good That's stuff. It, and, then we, yeah. and then we'll ask them, OK, so what is resilience? And, and then you get things like not giving up or sticking to your goals or being, you know, mentally strong. Um, and then and then anything more, <laughs> you know, what does yeah. that practically? So we so what we recognise is that there's an initial understanding in some cases um, but there's not much depth. And with, again, our work is about it being practical and sustainable so that when we leave, the work doesn't leave. So with our concept on, and our approach towards resilience, based from um, out of research, we found um, there was a piece of research where they looked at, um, I guess, the narratives of people that had gone through quite significant events of adversity in their life. And they kind of looked at, you know, key things that often surface when they looked at their ability to bounce back. And out of that, um, you know, from that research, we call it the three R's of resilience. And essentially what they found was um, that they showed a high level or a, a, an ability to respond. Responsibility was one of the. So that's the first R of resilience. Um, so we work with students about that. What's the distinction between being in reaction mode or being in response modes yeah that's uh, really really that is definitely a big issue isn't it yeah. because I know that you know all teachers can really relate to that yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's about taking responsibility for your actions in a way isn't are. it there go on are. carry on and then we get young people to, we, we like I guess I guess the key thing is we really encourage them to to really um almost have another look at how because again oftentimes when young people hear the word responsibility it's like you need to be more responsible you need to be but it's like actually take ownership actually this is and there's an opportunity there like you can see responsibility and your the way how you apply yourself to being responsible in a very positive way and in a very creative and engaging way. So, you know, what are creative ways in which you can take responsibility? Because, um, again, it's about your ability to respond. So that's the first R of resilience, responsibility and getting young people to think about, you know, again, when they're in reaction mode or when they're in response mode. And then the second R um, that came out of the research is um reaching out for help so the research has suggested that um people that show high levels of resilience are actually quite okay whether they're aware of it or not they're just quite all right with being able to recognize that no one is an island and they're able to either find resources that can help them or find people <laughs> that can help them so that's quite a powerful conversation that we have with students because some students are quite reluctant to ask for help um, so that's where we challenge them actually um, because it's such a powerful skill in life. A lot of our work is to equip students, obviously up to their, you know, for their learning, but for life, to be fair, and beyond. So... Well, that's but, what you want, isn't it? That's, exactly. the, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So just this conversation around, you know, who do you reach out to? Who can you reach out to? We look at some of the challenges that they're facing with their academia, and we say, who could help? Who have you asked? Um, who are you going to ask for help and you get some young people like you know what actually my cousin's quite good at maths I might speak to my cousin oh, or, yeah. or what's really cool is oftentimes like they will name a particular teacher by name and they say you know what I'm quite I've got a good rapport with that teacher I can go go to her after and speak so um reaching out for help and almost that being a, a, a aspect of how like strategy when they're in a time of challenge it's like who can actually help you again like some young people um, and, and some adults, to be fair, yeah, yeah. it might not be a natural thing that comes to our mind, you know. But again, what would it look like to be creative about that? What would it look like to be like really creative? You've got a challenge. How? Who could you? Who could you connect with? Who could you speak to that might be able to help? So that's the second R 
of resilience. And then finally, the one that I enjoy the most we, um, is what we call, um, yeah, just the ability to effectively reframe. So I often tell them the story of, um, yeah, in, in like Japan, there's that, um, that's that um, philosophy called kintsugi. And it's this whole idea that, you know, I know for me, if I'm at home and I bump into a plate, it smashes on the floor, I sweep it up and I throw it away. Um, and hopefully my wife didn't hear it smash because, you know, and then, but whereas like in some parts in the world, particularly in Japan and in China, actually what they do is they um, will grind down gold and mix it with, with, with glue. And they will, they would, they would literally, you know, piece it back together, that broken piece, they'll piece it back together. And this, their idea is that actually that particular event contributes to its present beauty. Um, they, they totally reframe this event where James Ailey would have just sweeped it up and put it in the bin. They say, no, actually, this event plays a powerful part to, to where it's going. Um, and so we call that the ability to effectively refrain. Um, and and our, our, our de definition for reframing so that young people get it quickly is basically looking at the same thing with a different perspective, but in a way that helps you move forward. Yeah, and, that's really interesting. I haven't really heard of that concept before about reframing. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine that would be yeah. really, yeah. really powerful. Exactly. So, so this is it. So we're getting so with resilience, it's like asking students to like um, reframe. So if you've got a student, for instance, that they might be presenting as a protester, quote unquote. So that's like a lot of back and forth with other students, a lot of back and forth with other um, with with staff actually reframing that might be conversations around but what if actually what you're demonstrating is misfired leadership skills you know so you're ah, just, right it's, yeah. it's those sorts of conversations or like it might be reframing a bad grade you get a grade that you you know yeah. <laughs> um, that you weren't expecting maybe you expected a little bit higher maybe but maybe this is just an indication that actually you know there's there's something that can be done differently here like yeah now's your chance to actually well that's the purpose of mocks isn't it really this is it this it's is a good it. chance to think about how you can make sure next time you, exactly. get, you get the result you want yeah exactly exactly so then with those three kind of like underpinning concepts we see that as like that which comprises quote-unquote resilience and again it's that's how it's made real that's how it's made practical because now when we're having conversations, when our students fully get it, it might be like in a coaching session, we'll talk about resilience, but in their mind, they're thinking responsibility, reaching out for help, reframing, you know, right, as, yeah. as, a, as opposed to um, not giving up, um, sticking to your goals, being mentally strong. It's like, no, it's really practical things, really practical conversations that staff members can have with students and that students can have with one another as well. Yeah. And it's also the fact that they know someone is interested. Mm. Someone is interested in them and, yeah. you know, wants to help them with their future. Another aspect that I've found really um, fascinating as well, and obviously I'm sure people listening to this will have heard of emotional intelligence. I mean, yes. you talked about it earlier. Yeah. Um, the need for, in your case, it, you mm. kind of describe it as the need for students to be resourced to manage the social mm. and emotional aspects of learning. And I don't know if this links to Carol Dweck's growth mindset co mm. concept as well, because I know in schools emotional intelligence yes is there but a yeah. lot of the things you try to you know you often I mean I used to have a display on my wall about growth mm. mindset and I think yes. students could relate to that what mm -hmm. we actually did with it was you know difficult to pin down most yeah. of the time but yes. how would you sort of you know how would you explain about growth mindset and emotional mm -hmm. intelligence and everything you you yeah. know, use on that 
Yeah, no, so you, you, you kind of like, yeah, you've essentially hit on a, a quite a key and important point. The truth of the matter is, you know, the term itself, emotional intelligence, it's not the most, I like, like, I grab it, like, it's not the sort of thing that students get massively excited about. To be fair, um, as we're coaching them, I, 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 I even use the term sparingly because it, it's, it's the term within itself, young people don't massive, I find anyway, don't massively um, they don't gravitate. Engage with it. They don't, yeah. they don't. But there's other ways to essentially um, get there. So yeah. again, to, to answer your question, I think again, it's, it's down to our, the concepts and the, and the content that we use that essentially underpins that. So for instance, um, we talk about, <laughs> I talk about the first phone I had when I was in um, like year nine or year 10, it was, it was like a Nokia <laughs> 3310, you know, and um, when I show students that phone, like I've never taken it to a school and students have not like burst out laughing. Like, oh, they so laugh you still at... take it with you to show them? I, I show an image, I, it, oh. I show them an image on the screen. Right. And, yeah. and they literally just laugh and I, and I say, and then I'll go on to say, but wait, but it's funny how so many of you will laugh, but what, would laugh at this phone. But what if I told you actually some of you are like my old school 3310? And then you see the lot. <laughs> like, some of them are like, what do you mean by that? And essentially yeah. what I'll go on to say is that, well, with the Nokia 3310, um, I loved it when I had it like all those years ago. But there's one significant thing that your phone can do that this phone couldn't do. And that's download apps. So what that means is that when I unboxed my Nokia 3310, in terms of its functionality, how it came is exactly how it stayed. Whereas the phone that you have now, because you can download apps, it means that its capabilities and its functionality is endless. And that is the way in which we introduce ideas like emotional intelligence and growth mindset to students. Because essentially, my Nokia 3310 was fixed. Its functionality was fixed. In terms of, but however, with a newer phone, it's not fixed. It's endless. It's, it's, it's it's, it's a growth mindset device. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, of course, and from that's there, really good. From there, students kind of get the whole idea of, okay, I don't want to be like a Nokia 3310. <laughs> okay, so what does it sound like if you are? So uh, Nokia, it, well, it might sound like a student that says things like, I've, I've never been good at this subject and that's not going to change. Or it might sound like that student that might say something like, actually, I've never got on with that teacher and that's never going to change. And these are just kind of like word symbols as to how, we how they how we talk about emo, um, themes like emotional intelligence and and growth and growth mindset and then and then what we do again back to the the key framework that we use the four P's how it works is that as I detail um, the attributes of like what it looks like when a student presents as, as um, let's say a protester or a passenger actually that ties in with what we will call a fixed mindset where with the students that present as a, um, a participant or a pioneer that ties in with what we'll call a growth mindset. So, so what happens now is that when we're having coaching conversations um, with students and they're honest enough to say, you know what, sir, I must be on, honest in the last week or so, I think I've been presenting as a, as a protester, to be fair. Mm. They already know, okay, but we know protester ground is, that's fixed mindset, isn't it? Um, and, we all, and, and, and so we're able to have these sort of conversations where over some time, there's a variety of very easy to use, but quite, you know, practical and yet profound concepts that the young people have a working idea with, of, and so do um, teachers. And, and, and so it just means that there's a new language, essentially, that, that gets embedded in a school culture that is founded on them, on founded on them achieving their aspirations.
you mentioned an all girls school, I think, earlier on, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've also worked in schools in different settings. Yeah, totally. So I think also that it's not just, you know, somebody might think oh, it's a specific type of school. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think all schools benefit yeah. from this sort of oh, most definitely. the I concepts think. we've talked about. Most definitely, because um, because essentially we're talking about um, when we're talking about a comprehensive skill set like like emotional intelligence, one of the conversations that naturally flow from it is that of leadership, and you know within that particular view, actually applying yourself as a leader is of value is of value to any student's um, education. Yeah. So like one of the schools that we work almost like one of our long lasting schools is a is a boarding school um near Brighton um ah right yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, and is um, that is that a girls school boys school or mixed mix school? it's a mixed school, right. it's a mixed mm-hmm. school in, in Brighton and um yeah I'm, I'm due to go and see them in September you know and and again like they they so the concepts literally that they use um during their form tutor time after we've delivered a keynote is that what I might deliver in a you know in a city school you know, which might have um, higher pupil premium than the school yeah. um, in Brighton, you know? Yeah, really interesting. Um, In another, because I know that when I met you in uh, in the round table last year, we talked yeah. about earlier, yeah. Um, obviously totally different mm-hmm. climate and mm-hmm. totally different mm-hmm. situation to the one we're in now, yes. which is obviously yes. during COVID-19. Exactly. And I mean, I do these, I've I'm involved in these weekly webinars we do for English teachers mm. and um, it, obviously we never predicted any of this was going to happen mm. who knew mm. but mm. what I mean is it's interesting and I'm sure you know about this yourself about mm. the amount of students that are not engaging mm. with online mm. you know I, you know I've got a couple of friends who've said you know we've had a couple of students who haven't even logged on or engaged since they just left the building in yeah. when was it March or whatever, March, yeah, March, March. whatever it was yeah. so yeah so I mean I know that you're starting to do um mm. you know a lot now about online and yeah. remote approach and yes. so I just wondered if you want to just talk a bit about that because I think mm. it's good if anybody listening can sort yes. of, if there's any sort of strategies or anything you can yeah. to help students engage with that really yeah most definitely so so what it was is that um there was a time that I had really in, like early on in Interscope life <laughs> I think yeah we had we're working with a school in Hackney, and um, this is before we got to the place of the importance of our content and our content uh, and our concepts need to be um, they need to be scalable. They need to be easy for teachers to use with students. And one of the conversations that actually um, impacted that was when a head of year um, said to me, James, how do we have Innerscope here when you're not here? And 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 that's ah, what right, kind of yeah. and that really sparks that. Okay, James, that means that. There's some there's there's room for growth here because you don't even want um, Interscope to be gone when you're gone. Yeah. So this was like I think um yeah this was like one of the first schools we worked with, and what came out of that conversation is okay how can we digitize the work that we do? So the first idea was oh why don't we go for an app that keeps students engaged with their learning da da da. So I ended up having a, a meeting with um a, a, this company that does great um apps for like some great brands and they quoted me um about i remember now it was like twelve thousand pounds to have a meeting about like a de- like a full-on brief about my, my about my what, you app had to idea. Pay just to have the initial that meeting was, they, i didn't pay they oh, quote they quoted they me quote you, yeah wow and when i when i when i received um that that quote 
uh, when I heard those, I think I, I think I I think I left that office so fast that I think my shoes still there and my coat oh. still. That like, I just said, I said, listen, yeah. we're not doing that, and I'm so happy we didn't do the app yeah. because it would have been very very competitive as well. Right. And and at that point in time, as I say, Interscope was like one day a week, you know, full time. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, um, so I went with the other idea, which was to do an online resource, which meant that actually some of the content that we take into keynotes or we take into our coaching what we're doing now is we've recorded it and not only have we recorded it again because we want to make sure that it's sustainable it means that what we've done is we've pre-designed coaching questions for teachers to use with the students off the back of the videos basically right and and again that's where there's some of the peer coaching questions that are there for students to use with one another and that's where there's some reflection questions for students to think about independently so again it means that um I don't have to be in there my team don't have to be in there but our impact can be so there's episodes on a variety of themes um like goal setting like them having like so um like self-awareness in regards to their peer groups in regards to um there's there's a session one of the opening session actually is um the episode um about what your what what is your why you know so some of the coaching questions that we would um, otherwise taken to schools it now means that um, schools have access to our key concepts and they can just let their students log in and and, and go through the content yeah that's good then so they can mm. still do it remotely yeah that's good mm-hmm. so in terms of um you know you we've talked about how you hear about people saying mm. the students aren't engaging etc etc yes. i mean we're all going the thing is this term's coming to an end now yes. and we're going to be back in september so have you got any sort of advice or any sort of strategies that you could just um suggest that really teachers engage. could yeah. yeah i think it's always great when you champion um positive examples in a sense i think that's that i think that will always have its place again like i think it's, so if you've got students um and which there are you know but if you've got students that during the pandemic during um this challenging time you they've still been applying themselves um given the circumstances ways in which that could be celebrated is mm. a, it, they're, they're, it's, it's got a funny way of actually um kind of getting the attentions of of students that quite equally could have made the same decision that's but, interesting uh, yeah, yeah that is a good point I haven't thought of that one yeah I think it's I think it's, it's it's important for a variety of reasons like even on my detached youth work days you know some of the pushback that we used to get from some of the students locally was like um was our uh, James um all your attention goes on the kids that are getting in trouble quote unquote this was from mm. young this was I've heard that a lot in schools myself yeah, as well yeah, yeah go on. so I remember when I when I when I, I remember years ago when I got the job as a senior detached youth worker I did recognize some of that you know and 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 I so what I did is that there was a trip <laughs> there was, I, one of the first things I did was a trip for the students got that got five A to C's at the time um and and that was quite controversial and then I got pushed back from the students that were that were getting in a little mm. bit of trouble but they would have seen over time that myself and my team, we were for all of them. We were, we wanted them all to fight. Yeah. We supported them in different ways. And I think, so back to the point of like, actually there's value in the students that have kind of stuck with it or shown, you know, resilience. They've been responsible. They've reframed, they've reached out. How do we celebrate that? That's, I think that's a key one. And then for all of them, a key thing that's, um, you know, um, that seems to be going down well, particularly with the resource in this time, is those conversations about like, okay, we fully get it. Like, like it was a global pandemic. Um, 
but what is what what is what's what's your why you know in this time now how are you going to or we we say how are you going to apply your why if there's a time to apply your why it's now yeah yeah, and so re-engaging students in that sort of conversation we found um whether that's challenging students or students that are really like you know still going great guns we just find that it's conversations that they're they're quite happy Mm. to or willing to have you know yeah and I think there's a whole we don't know yet so Mm. you know there's a whole thing to have a whole another conversation about when everybody goes back in September then you know things are going to be we've got to start start good practices and start getting into good habits again etc etc you know students and engaging everybody so that again could be a bit challenging in the beginning couldn't it but you know we'll see what happens yeah I think so I think it's that I think a helpful thing is like finding ways to and and I think also allowing students to act like acknowledging that listen like this was this was hard like there's definitely students you know that have experienced loss you know definitely um, yeah during this time you know I think I think also kind of naming that can help to reintroduce so that students ain't taking on um in inordinate amounts of guilt for disengaging actually you know disengage disengagement is communication to be fair mm. so we've got to work out what are they trying to communicate and then how do we kind of re-establish um lines of of, of engagement again and I think a practical step is acknowledging guys like we we get it there was a global pandemic you know and and for some students um actually during a pandemic there was definitely points where I, even I was like it's a tool ask to be asking students to be thinking about their revision in this time when they can quite honestly be thinking wait you know jobs like school university what does it all mean my future yeah and I'm sure many schools will be doing you know I don't know assemblies and all sorts of things yes. on those yeah. sort of topics but it is a big thing isn't it that yes. you know you can't imagine there you are you're just about to sit your GC well your GCSEs exactly. are coming up and suddenly the exactly. cliff edge is there and it's like what exactly. so yeah it is definitely a bizarre time isn't it you always have really good stories and I've heard mm-hmm. a couple of your stories mm-hmm. and I think those are so inspiring for students as well mm-hmm. is that something that you just started sort of mm-hmm. coming up with or you just Do you know talk- what so the honest story about my, like my storytelling journey is as I say part of my background youth worker and a youth minister in Islington so I had the privilege of like serving as a youth minister at, at a church that was just outside of the estate that I grew up on right. and and so as a as a youth minister when I do like youth talks um I would often use like stories and illustrations but what was funny is that there was times where like <laughs> I realized that when I would like talk about my own story or share stuff like that I just noticed that this the, the young people like listened a lot more yeah. <laughs> sort of thing and um so and and that's and that's when I started to really um appreciate just the power of of, of telling stories actually um and and it's and it's something that you know over some time I started to learn actually so I, I worked on my communication skills and um, you know, started to read and, and go to different groups to help hone that in. And so, and then when people join my team, it's something that we we train the team in because we just find that it's an effective way of of, of educating um, not only staff, to be fair, but but um, but staff members also. I think, you know, narrative is powerful, you know. And so, yeah, it's, it is something we're quite intentional about, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I used to like sort of sharing stories with the class when I was teaching and they so miss 
tell us a story and say right well <laughs> towards the end of the week if you've had a good week yeah and everyone's worked really well I might tell you a story of something yeah. but, you know but yeah, yeah. they I think it's true it is engaging especially when they can visualize what you're saying yeah exactly. um, and then they can relate to it mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. there was one I heard you say which was about a homeless person yes yes, yes. yeah and I mm. thought that was a really interesting one. I don't know if you want to mm. say yeah. that now or... I'm more than happy to, yeah. To be fair, there's a... So, uh, yeah, I guess in my journey, I actually had the privilege at one stage of coordinating um, a homeless shopping. So a lot of the stories... Well, a few of the stories that I share about um, some of the conversations that I had, but I think one that um, is has definitely been... Both of them are striking. One of them was um, when I was doing detached youth work on the estate. And um, what happened was we were out on the estate and I was with a, co- a colleague, we were walking and taking the same sort of routes we would usually take. And then I noticed that um, I noticed that um, there was a particular part on the actual estate where we were, where we noticed that there was a gentleman sleeping on the ground. So we were used to seeing homeless people within the area. However, um, where this particular um, homeless guest was sleeping he it was unusual and he was very vulnerable actually so we've gone right, over to yeah. him and and we and we noticed that you know we had to kind of wake him up because we were quite concerned for his well-being and as he's as he's woke up we were engaging and finding out like um if if he's connected with like a local hospital or a charity or anything like that and what was pressing on his mind was this whole theme around like a, a big I need a really need a big bag I need a big bag because he had a lot of stuff with him so like, I really need a big bag. How am I going to yeah. carry all of this stuff? He was tired from carrying all of this stuff. Oh. Anyway, long story short, we we um, he stands up. And I, I, as we approach him, I noticed that as he was sleeping, there was a plastic sheet underneath him. Um, and when he gets to his feet, I pick up this plastic sheet only to then realise that it was a massive see-through plastic bag. It was a plastic right. bag. Mm-hmm. So I, it was almost like a laughing point, um, all of us, because it was like the same thing he was looking for, he was actually sleeping on. So then us and so what he did is we gave him this plastic bag and um he put the rest of the like the other stuff that he had with him in this bag and swung it around his shoulder. And from that particular interaction, I was like, it's funny how sometimes the, the things that we look for are literally underneath our nose. We're literally yeah. sleeping on and then um and we use that particular narrative with staff teams to think about their sh- their are there strengths maybe that you're sleeping on? Are there experience, are there skills and talents that actually um, you're sleeping on that 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 actually you can maximize and use for the betterment of the context in which you're you're working and leading yeah I really like that idea it's the idea mm. of you might already have something you don't even realize exactly. it and you can tap into it yeah exactly. definitely exactly. yeah and you know I mean we're going to end now in a moment but I was just going to say you've got those great stories James thank and you when I saw you doing your speech, um, you did some, you know, you did a story and it turned into yeah. like a rap or something. Yeah, that was so yeah, good. So, yeah. Right, yeah so if yeah. anybody gets yeah. the chance to see you anyway, yeah. and hopefully, yeah. I mean, this has been brilliant to talk to you. And when we're able to do our next English student teacher conference in the yes. real world, yes. so we did one last year and we're going to be doing another one, hopefully, yeah. probably next year now. Um, it would be great to have you as one of our speakers. So thank you so much for joining me for the Good full English. Job. I hope you enjoyed it. And um, yeah, and everyone can join us next time for another inspiring episode. So thank you, James. Thank you.